0: Hi everyone, this is Michelle Gale. I'm so happy you found your way to this podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'd love for you to become a part of my community. So if you're inspired, please visit BeAMindfulParent.com and sign up to my weekly newsletter. By signing up, you will receive the Busy Parents Guide to Practicing Mindfulness, which includes learnings, meditations, and practices to support your path. From my website, you can also purchase the online conference from September if you missed it, as well as buy some other courses and coaching offerings I have available. I love keeping this podcast free of advertisements and always appreciate the support of my work. Also, if you love this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Life is messy, and it's exactly within this messiness where our greatest opportunities for growth live. Thank you for being here.
1: Hi, and welcome to Mother's Quest, a podcast for moms like me ready to live our own truly epic life. I'm Julie Neal, a life and leadership coach, community builder, writer, and mom to two high energy boys who challenge me to grow into my best self. Where was I? In the months leading up to a big milestone birthday, I decided it was time to stop sidelining my dreams and realize that I'm the hero of my own journey. I knew I didn't want to do it alone, so I created this podcast to learn from other moms on their own quest so their words of wisdom and lessons learned could help light the way for mine. I created this podcast for myself. Come along with me and you'll find some treasures of your own. Hello, and welcome to this episode with mindfulness educator, corporate trainer, podcast host, and author of Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Michelle Gale. This conversation, rooted in how to bring more equanimity to our lives, finding our center of calm in the storm, came to me just when I needed it most. During a start to my fall season marked by big school transitions for my children, travel away from home, and supporting my family after my father's bypass heart surgery. In the midst of all of that, it was such a gift to have this time with Michelle, whose journey brought her from working in technology startups like Twitter to a deep dive in mindfulness training. Michelle draws on that training today as an advisor to organizations like Wisdom 2.0, in trainings with corporations like Disney and Google, for summits and workshops for parents that she organizes, and as a parent with her own two boys at home. Before I share more about what we explored in this episode, I want to introduce you to Katie Kremitzos, another amazing mother with a shared passion for mindfulness and meditation, with this episode's dedication.
2: Hey Julie, this is Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so humbled and honored today to be giving this dedication for the Mother's Quest podcast. I have been an entrepreneur since 2009 and in 2014, I launched a podcast that launched a whole business for me called Biz Women Rock with an obvious niche to serve really amazing women entrepreneurs. Now, just recently in 2018, I launched a brand new endeavor that allows me to go even deeper and wider with this incredible community of women that I'm so passionate about serving. And that is called the Women's Meditation Network. It's a podcast network. And the very first podcast that is now live as a part of that network is called Meditation for Women. I am ridiculously passionate about helping women find that light that we all have inside of us that sometimes shines so bright and other times gets really dim that we might not even believe that it's there anymore. And one of my purposes in this world is to help each of us rediscover that light and help it shine even brighter and even brighter and even brighter, totally in line with who we are and what is right for us in our lives. And that's what I'm so grateful to be able to do through the Meditation for Women podcast. One of the reasons that I really believe that I'm so passionate about women in this world is because I have always had an example of what a truly shining and luminescent woman really looks like, and that is in my mother. There is no question in my mind about who I would dedicate this episode to. It's my mother, Linda Krenitz. From day one, I had an example in her of a woman who is unapologetic about who she is in this world, and what she loves, and what she doesn't like, and how she wanted to show up, and things that she wanted to participate in. My mom was truly put here on this earth to be a mother. And that job, she has knocked out of the park and continues to do such a great job. She has six kids, five girls, one boy. And somehow, even with six kids, she definitely did and still manages to make each and every single one of us feel so special so unique and so valued. It wasn't until I became a mom in 2015 that I really finally got at a core cellular and spiritual level how wonderful and special my mother really is. And she has become my hero. In so many ways, my mother and I are complete opposites. And yet all of those parts of my personality and my character that I love and I honor and I'm so proud of, They all come from my mom. You know, sometimes we can think that the people who really deserve the light in this world, the people who really deserve the accolades are the ones who are, you know, leading movements and making big things happen in this world. I love speaking that language. But oftentimes that means that we forget the people who aren't necessarily up to that, but they love so big in such powerful ways to every individual that's in their lives. And through that depth of love, big change happens and big impact happens on an individual basis. And that is why I'm dedicating this episode to my mom who loves big in her everyday life. And I could not have asked for a better example of how to be a woman in this world and how to be a mom in this world than my mom, Linda Kreenitz. Thank you, Katie, for this beautiful
1: dedication to your mother, Linda, and for shining a light through her example of the ways we can make an impact in our day-to-day lives through being a mindful, loving parent. This awareness of our impact in the day-to-day is something that Michelle embodies in her own parenting in the appreciation she describes for her own mother, a single parent who adopted Michelle at the age of four months old and in the ways that she makes mindfulness relatable and accessible to those she teaches. I learned so much from Michelle in the time we spent together, about answering our own calls for lifelong learning, about slowing down, raising our awareness, and making the implicit explicit of the importance of bringing compassion, especially during times of transition, and how to draw on our experience as mothers as a source of learning and transformation. When we began, I asked Michelle to lead us through a three-breath practice, which I heard her share about on Deborah Reber's Tilt Parenting podcast. The practice became the bookends for this episode, the opening that allowed us each to make intentions for our time together, and the challenge that Michelle invites us to integrate into our lives. As you listen, I invite you to slow down by taking your own three breaths with us. Tap into Michelle's intention for finding equanimity, your center in the midst of chaos, and to open yourself to Michelle's wisdom. If you do, I'm certain you'll be able to find your calm in the storm and connect more fully to your own mindful parenting in a messy world. I'm Julie Neal, and this is Mother's Quest.
3: Welcome, Michelle, to the Mother's Quest podcast. We've been trying to make this conversation happen now for a little while. And the benefit Mm -hmm. is you and I have been able to connect more and I've been loving that. And I'm so hopeful that it's gonna work this time. So welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with your community. Thanks for inviting me. So we were talking before that I have a practice with every guest of setting an intention before we press record. Mm But I heard your interview with Deborah Reber on Tilt Parenting Podcast where Mm -hmm. you shared a three-breath practice. And I really loved it and I've been using it. And I thought it would be great to have you lead us here through that practice. And then you and I can set our intentions at the end of that. That sounds perfect. So this is a beautiful practice you can do anywhere, anytime. And we'll do it together. The first breath, just breathing in and breathing out fully and really following your breath on the inhale and the exhale. And then on the second breath, just inviting your body to relax, just feeling gravity and your jaw drop. And on the third breath, just breathing in and breathing out, asking yourself what's most important now. So I'll go first I was telling you that this has been a challenging week for us. Yeah, My father had a major surgery that he's been recovering from. It was a challenging recovery so far and thankfully he's doing better. But there's a lot of taking care of the emotional side to recovery and all of that sort of takes from those who are caring for him Mm -hmm. and supporting him. And it's also been the start of the school year. So I think the intention that I'm holding for this conversation, is just what an incredible gift that bringing in more mindfulness practices for myself and with my family can be. And I just can't imagine a better guy than you for it. So this timing is perfect. And I'm so grateful to have you. That's beautiful. Coming up for you. You know, as we did the practice and as you're speaking, the word that kept coming to me was equanimity. And it's a word for those of you who have not heard that word before, it's really kind of like the calm in the storm, just being able to come back to center, whatever's going on around us, be able to find that kind of middle way, that middle ground and come back to ourselves. And like you, I have a lot of those kinds of things going on as well. Start of the school year has been really tricky. We have a new middle schooler, a new high schooler, and the transitions have been tough for a variety of reasons both of my boys have learning differences. And so there's been a lot of struggle. And I've been reminding myself very often, come back to center, come back to center, come back to center. So I've really been utilizing my centering practices a lot, more than usual. And also for myself, you know, my body's going through a lot of changes. I'm definitely in perimenopause by now. And anxiety is coming back up that I haven't felt since my 20s. A very biological, hormonal anxiety. And I've been working with that, you know, with an integrative doctor, but also just within myself and my practice and being able to come back and notice it. But knowing it's not me, it's not the core of my heart of who I am. So equanimity, that's the intention that I'm bringing right now. Wonderful. I am just opening completely. My intention is opening to the gifts of these practices and learning from you. I love that you're bringing equanimity into this conversation. And I hope that everyone is listening is taking a moment to set an intention for themselves for this conversation. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. I also just want to say that since I heard that interview, which we'll link to in the show notes, I have used that practice many times. Certainly when I'm with my children and I'm thinking, I think I'm about to go to a dark place. It's the perfect one for that. (laughs) But the other way that I've been using it that I've so appreciated is all those moments when you have time to take action in your life or your work and you can feel yourself using your time not in the way that would be of the highest service i've been doing that and then asking myself at the end of that third breath what's most important like for me to do now or for me in terms yeah. of this time and it has shifted me and helped me to make some better choices I love that you're using it in that way. And I think you've inspired me to say that too. You know, I put a lot of intention around when I'm getting ready to do creative work specifically. I've learned from my friend, Christine Carter, who has a wonderful book called The Sweet Spot. I don't know if you're familiar with Christine. I am. It's a great book. And I did her online class around that book and it helped me to create a little ritual. I've actually talked to my son as well. He has one now too. So before I sit down to do creative work, I make sure I've gone pee, and I have water, and I have a little snack, and I've done a short meditation, and so I get into this little rhythm of letting my brain and my body know, okay, it's time, you know, to sit down and do creative work and to be focused, and that's been really helpful. And sometimes I forget, (laughs) and I've taught it to my son recently for homework. So now we have a little paper hanging from his screen, and it has the things, and it includes getting a snack and going to the bathroom and making sure you have all the supplies and, you know, there's four or five things on there and turning off his phone, putting it in the other room, right? Those kinds of things. So I think I love that you're using that in that way because I think it's so important to mark these times that we want to focus and focus on something that's most important right now, which is what you were pointing to. Well, I love those additional things that you just shared and we're going to be trying those at home with our kids. (laughs) So we're getting to move into more work more applicable to my high schooler than my kindergartner. Good. I'm glad to hear. So many ways you can use this. Well, I want to start to move us into our conversation about your epic life. I recently finished reading your book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. And I learned so many things about you. And I was so inspired about your journey. And we're just going to dig into it a little bit more and see what additional layers of awareness about the things that you've learned on your path we can uncover together. I love that. The first question I have for you actually is I'd love for you to share a little bit about your childhood and the impact that your own mother has had on who you are today. Well, it's a bit of a loaded question. I was adopted and I was adopted at birth, and I've always had a very good relationship with being adopted. However, when I was in graduate school a few years back, we were doing a project, and they asked us to bring in pictures from the time we were born, you know, through, you know, like now, you know, a picture to mark each phase of our life, and I realized for the first time that I did not have a picture of me as a newborn. I'd never seen one. There isn't one. You know, it starts at four months old when I was adopted. And so that really began a deeper inquiry for me into this idea of like, who was mothering me at that age? You know, what nurses were mothering me in the hospital? And then what foster family was mothering me until I was four months old? And it's given me this new appreciation for my mom because we've struggled most of our lives. You know, certainly since I have, you know, got to an age where I had my own opinions (laughs) and started pushing back. Her and I really just rubbed each other in difficult ways. And my parents divorced when I was nine and just my mother and I. And it was a rough road for the two of us in our relationship. Of course, I also appreciate her so much because she did everything for me that she could. She's a single mother, you know, working multiple jobs most of the time. And I've always had this interesting relationship with my mom because I've always appreciated her so much, so dearly. I've also always appreciated the woman who gave me up. You know, my relationship to it as an adopted child was always, wow, how unselfish to do that. Like that must have been such a heartbreak to do that. And it's even deeper now that I have my own children. I remember holding my son, Tyler, with my first son when he was four months old and realizing, oh my gosh, you know, this is when I came to my mother at this point and also learning about attachment theory in graduate school and realizing, you know, my mom and I had this really difficult relationship, but she did something right when she got a hold of me when I was four months old. Because when you've been moved around that much, you know, in the first four months, there could be trauma, you know, lasting trauma. And I didn't have any. I've always been really grounded in myself. And so I appreciate her in such a new way. You know, it's that same story. You know, we don't look back on the parts of our lives that were so magical and fantastic and be like, oh, how I grew. (laughs) That's just not what we do. I look back on all that struggle and strife, and I'm so grateful for it. All of that struggle that we went through together pushed me to do inquiry and to look at myself more deeply. I mean, that was a big part of it was my struggle with my mother. And we're at a much better place now. You know, the boundaries are more clear and we're able to talk regularly and share as much as we can. So it's been a journey, this relationship with mother, and of course, affected the way that I wanted to show up as a mother. I'm sure it informed my desire to practice and to practice mindful parenting and to show up as a parent in a new way than I had experienced. First of all, thank you for... And trusting us with your story. I'm, I'm really moved by it and having a whole new awareness myself, thinking about even asking that question of other people and realizing and recognizing that, you know, people's motherhood connections are really, you know, can be very different. Um,
1: yeah.
3: It is a great segue into the first of the epic life guideposts that I want to ask you about. And just to frame a little bit, this idea of living an epic life actually came into clarity when I first met you, when we were working with Jonathan Fields' mm-hmm. and program he had called Manifesto Code. And I was really trying to get at the heart of what is this that I'm on a quest for myself as a mother? And what is it that I really want to bring to other women that I want to work with through mother's class? and through that process of like kind of peeling the layers and getting more and more at the heart of what we were trying to do in our work, I came to this phrase like, no, I want to live an epic life. Like, it wasn't about I want to be more balanced or I wanted to just like, you know, have self care. It really was that I want to be able to look back, maybe a grandparent and sitting with my grandchildren and telling them stories about my life and feel like it was filled with all the things that mattered most. Mm. That I didn't let fear get in the way of really like fulfilling my purpose, my greatest impact, and especially in those years when I'm raising my children. So it connoted this idea of really stepping into being the author of my Ethics Life Story, but also each of the letters, it's an acronym mnemonic for the guideposts that I think help us live that life when we're raising our children. So the first one E stands for engaged and it's about being engaged mindfully with our children. So tell me a little bit more about how you do that, how you brought these practices and your unique journey and your relationship with your mother into your parenting. So engaging mindfully with my children, it's been such a part of my journey. I really stepped onto my committed path. Of meditation and mindfulness when my youngest son was six months old and my oldest son Tyler was four years old so they're 15 and 11 now so it's going back 11 years I started practicing regularly and they very quickly became a core part of my practice because where do we get triggered more than at home <laughs> you know like home is the last frontier what <laughs> so I usually say you know I'm out in the world and totally together and kind and patient and it's difficult to shake me out in the world, but close those doors. And our children have this way of poking every way we need to grow (laughs) in such skillful ways. So that became clear very quickly to me and I knew they were a huge part of my practice. So I feel like I've been engaged with my children in these practices from the beginning at first, more with my own practice. So when I come back to that word equanimity that I shared and the intention, that was what I was working on. Like, how do I come back to equanimity over and over and over again when they you know, they were young at that time and being precocious and spilling things all over the floor and spilling milk or something. Spilling something on the floor used to put me over the edge. I don't know why. That was just a trigger of mine. When they would spill something, I would snap really quickly. And they look so shocked, and I feel so guilty immediately. And so, like, there was part of my practice, and I would tell them, "Did you see what I just did? How upset I got when you spilled milk or you spilled your cereal? How ridiculous of me? How silly? Why was it so interesting that I do that? I'm really working on not doing that anymore." So when you ask me about how I've engaged them, that's a big part of how I've engaged them. And now the conversations are different; they're older. Right, so I have my own practice. They see me practice. I don't always do my meditation out in my little office where I have my little corner. I'll often just sit in the morning in the kitchen until somebody wakes up. Right? So they come in and that's purposeful. I want them to come and see that that's what I do in the morning. And so I'll, I'll, they've seen me. And now I've encouraged them as much as they're open, as much as they're willing. But really, I've just woven it into their lives. And it's often, I often say I make the implicit explicit. I'm doing the work on myself. And then when I notice it's happening, I share it with them, just like I did with the spilled milk. So now the conversation might look more like my eldest son in high school has very slow processing and it can take a really long time to do his homework and he wants my help often. And I'll say to him, I'm noticing how I have some anxiety about wanting you to do this faster. And you can't and you don't need to. And if you notice me being snippy in any way, that's what it is, ignore me. That's my problem. So that's how I engage with them now in these practices. And so when we do this with them, they learn how to do it with themselves and with the people that they love. I have many moments in these interviews where as soon as I hear something, I know that I'm going to go back and listen to that piece over and over again. you're going to be one of them. What a gift that is to be modeling that. First of all, to be creating that space for yourself, for Mm -hmm. that awareness and that compassion for yourself, to be modeling it for your children and then create space for them to try that for themselves. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I'm going to also just say that there were so many things that you shared in your book about your journey to this work and also how you integrate it with your children. So one thing that is standing out for me that I've tried a few times since I started reading the book, there was a period where one of your sons was having difficulty going to sleep at night, mm-hmm. wanted you to stay in the room. And rather than get frustrated about you know, the fact that your presence was needed there, you used it as an opportunity to meditate. And you set some boundaries like, okay, well, we're not, I'm going to be here, but we're not going to talk. And then you use that as time for your practice. I love the way that you just think about how can you be present and mindful and compassionate in these different situations that parenthood brings to you. Yeah. And that didn't just come out of the sky. I was actually really frustrated for quite a long time. I don't know how long I was like, God, am I going to stay in there and then I want to do my meditation practice and I can't I mean, there was a lot of just bemoaning. And it was one of my teachers that suggested I do that. That one did not come to my mind alone, which is why community is so important Mm -hmm. in any of this, with the work that you're doing, particularly, so women can listen and hear and get ideas from each other and get inspired by each other. And my teacher said, why don't you just sit in their room? Like, why don't I? I don't know why. I don't. I just should. And so we would have our ritual time and have our reading and our singing and our cuddles and, you know, whatever it was. And then I would go sit on my cushion lived in their room. They were sleeping in the same room at the time. And it was just there. And I'd say, I'm going to be here long after you fall asleep. So feel safe and feel loved. And when I start my practice, I'm going to be sending you loving kindness quietly. I'm not going to say anything. Just know that's what's coming. And then you'll fall asleep with that wrapped around you. And I'm going to stay here. So it's just beautiful. And clearly that didn't continue. You know, that was, I imagine for a period of time when that was necessary, you were no longer needed in that way. No, and then I was again. <laughs> and then I dragged the mattress into the bedroom. At some point, he slept on the floor for like a year. <laughs> so you know, we have our seasons. <laughs> seasons. cycle. We have our seasons for these things, but yeah, it was beautiful. And it was a while. It was a year or two that I did that. It was a long time. Amazing. Yeah for sharing the honesty which i always appreciate you about you know like let me be real i was really frustrated for a while or <laughs> not miraculously come up with this idea of myself no and that you know sometimes you move forward and you realize you're kind of circling back i like to think about our development on the spiral that we don't grow in a straight line and that sometimes Mm -hmm. you feel like you're regressing or falling backwards, but you're in a different place along that spiral moving forward. Mm -hmm. With our children all the time and then in our responses with them. Well, I want to move to the next guidepost, P, which stands for passionate and purposeful. And this is about the impact that you have in the world beyond your family. Tell me about the ways in which you are making an impact right now in your life where you are in your career? The way that I'm making an impact now started when I started practicing with my kids, like I described earlier. That was kind of where the beginning of the inspiration of, oh, this is really important work you know, to do with ourselves as parents. And then fast forward many years later, and I was working at Twitter when it was very early on. We were growing 350% a year, and it was like being on a rocket ship. And I was head of learning and leadership development at the time, and there was a lot of suffering. It's the first time I worked full time out of the house and I was working way more than 40 hours a week and it was difficult. And I did that for two and a half years. And when I left there, I knew there was something, some way that I wanted to work more directly with parents. And I went back to graduate school and I had written my book already. And so right now, where that links to is to be bringing these practices out into the world in a bigger way for parents. And that's online. That's where we can reach a lot of moms and dads. It's just a place where they can watch things that are already recorded, you know, do things in their own time, but also start to, I'm really passionate about changing the landscape of how corporations think about supporting parents because there just isn't a support system in most companies for parents. And so this past year, I've gone and taught programs that Intuit and Google and Disney specifically for parents and not Google. Google actually has quite a lot of support. They're probably one of the leaders, one of them. I'm sure there's a few more, one of the leaders in the space. But Intuit and Disney had never done anything for parents ever. It was the first thing they'd ever done specifically for parents. And so I'm really passionate about being a part of that change in our corporate cultures. And also just in bringing these practices into businesses in a bigger way and just out into the world in a bigger way. And I'm an idea girl. (laughs) I definitely have a lot of ideas and I have to really work to keep myself kind of focused and on one line at a time because I can get pretty scattered. Well, I've also been noticing some new things that you are trying. The time of this recording, you're getting ready to do your first online summit which we'll certainly create links to even if the summit is no longer live when the episode comes out. And you're going to be doing parenting class, really excited about. And then your podcast is such a resource for so many parents. So I love that you're experimenting and testing new ways of reaching people. Yeah, it's really fun. And just brings, I'm sure you have the same experience from the work that you're doing. Just so much joy. You know, when I receive those emails back, you know, when I send out, resources or a story or whatever it is for my newsletter and I receive those messages back of how I needed this today and this is how this impacted me. And that just gives me so much fire. <laughs> to keep going, it's such a gift. You know, when people from my community reach back out to me and, and let me know how this is touching their lives, it just motivates me to work that much harder and with that much more intention. Before we move to the next guidepost, I want to ask you a follow-up question about that. Yes. I often talk about something that I call an epic snapshot moment, which is those kind of moments where time almost slows down and you realize, oh my God, this is everything that I care the most about. You just want to bottle up the feeling that comes with it. Mm. Or you have an epic snapshot moment of you know one of these stories of impact where you really could tell you were making a difference with your message. You know, it's funny, I'm looking at something on my desk right now, a note that was written to me. And I did some work, I taught a a class called Search Inside Yourself at Macy's a few months back. And something they do at Macy's, they have these little cards. And it says, you made a brighter moment. Thank you for spreading the magic. And so employees can write out one of these cards for someone and give it to them. And so the program was beautiful and deep. And it's a two-day program that I teach. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, God, this is flowing. Like people are really being touched and sharing deeply. And it was just exquisite. And when it was over, I got this note and it said, Michelle, your passion and energy and ground and mindfulness and the journey you took us on really helped pave the way I will lead my teams going forward. You helped make a brighter moment. And when I read that, And it wasn't just in the words, it was in this like writing this note and handing it to me, like making the effort, there was just something so magical about it. And I keep it. I mean, it's right here. As soon as you said that, I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, that was one of those moments when I received that card. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. And good for creating those opportunities for reflection and acknowledgement, which are so important. Yeah. Really beautiful. Well, the next guidepost I stands for invested in yourself, and this is about self care and continuing to learn and grow and filling your life with the things that bring you joy and fulfill you. Tell me some of the ways that you build that and invest in yourself. Well, I am a addicted to learning <laughs> for sure. If somebody would just pay me to go learn things, I'd be great with that. <laughs> Oh, no problem. You know, I went back to graduate school. I always had this dream of getting a master's degree and went back years back, got the support of my family. And so that was amazing. And, you know, I've been in a bazillion trainings. I just did three mindfulness teacher trainings over the last three years. And it's interesting that you're asking me this because I'm committed to not doing any more trainings right now. Like, you know, I'm enough right now. I've got enough. I've got enough knowledge. I've done enough work. And of course, I'm still learning and growing but I'm not going to do that anymore in that way. I more want to bring myself out into the world. And I have this interesting relationship with learning and with self-care. So it's taking care of myself and focusing on my family. My buckets are kind of my kids and my family, my career in one way or another, and then myself. Those are kind of the big buckets that go on. And I would say that Myself will drop off before the other two will drop off. And I really have to watch that. And I think I also do a pretty good job of, you know, I take a walk every day, you know, as a break from work and I exercise with weights. I have a little kind of those online beach body programs that I do, you know, at least four or five days a week in the mornings. And I'll go for a massage and I, Spending time with friends is like medicine for me with my best girlfriends. And I'd like more of it. So that's the piece I have to watch because I can really get... Last week I was, you know, with the start of school and everything going on and all the difficulties, I was not taking care of myself. And I was at a pretty low place energetically and in self-care. And now this week, I've kind of bounced back and put more attention on it. So I think it's in knowing what those buckets are for myself and then just tracking, touching in, like, where am I in all these pieces? What I'm appreciating and I identify with too is noticing when those self-care practices are slipping, but not holding judgment or harshness for ourselves when it happens. Yeah. And knowing what we need, because one of my best girlfriends asked me to go to this event in San Francisco tonight. And it's like an image and video and pictures, but it's kind of dark. You know, it's about kind of darker parts of society and psyche. And I love being with her. So I want to be with her. I'm like, I don't think I can do that right now in this moment that I'm in. But I'd love to do something like go to a comedy show or I feel like I just need a little more lightness in my being right now. So Saturday night, we made plans. We're going to a comedy show, but we invited a bunch of people. People said yes. So I think it's also just being honest with what we need in any moment or any day. Yeah. I mentioned that my dad just had surgery and I was visiting him in Los Angeles and one evening my family, my sisters and my mom decided to go to the movies. And my mom went to see Black Klansmen and my other sister was being crazy rich (laughs) Asians. And I had a similar experience where I just had to check in with myself and realize that while I will see Black Klansmen and it's so tied to so much of what I care about and the work that I'm doing, the advocacy work I'm doing. In that moment, I really just needed laughter yeah. and so I made the choice to see the lighter movie. So I appreciate that awareness about what we need and making those choices without judgment. Because you mentioned perimenopause at the beginning of our conversation and menopause is something that I am moving through as well. I'd love to hear what you are exploring or learning that is supporting you in that process right now. Well, I'm in it. I'm in it and it's a wild ride from my experience so far. You know, I remember being in my 20s before I had any of this practice or real skill of my inner life or my inner world and a lot of anxiety. I've always had a lot of anxiety. I still do. It just doesn't affect me the same way. My anxiety, that physical anxiety that I would get from my hormones, drove me. Like it drove my voice and my decision and how I showed up in the world. And it was, I can remember back to just the swings, you know, the swings and the, you know, right before my period, I'd have this feeling of impending doom. And, you know, then it would fade. And it was just such a wild ride. And I'm feeling that again. Now I'm feeling it in a much more skillful way. I'm not attached to it the way I was then and I'm able to have some distance from it and to observe it more than feeling like I'm just in it and being taken away by it. But there are moments where I'm in it and being taken away by it. You know, the other morning I had insane anxiety when I woke up. I was crying. I told my husband, I'm like scared. It's so physical. My chest was so tight and my belly felt really nauseous and It was just this full body anxiety that faded throughout the day. Now, I was able to still show up for my kids and get the work done that I needed to get done and feel it, right? It was with me the whole time, and I was watching it fade and watching it shift. But it's a lot to hold. And then when you do some searches online, you see, oh, like, I'm really not alone in this, which feels better. I guess anxiety is one of the most common pieces. And then you have to make these decisions. You know, I'm blessed to be able to have an integrative doctor that I work with. And I did have a call with him this week. And we're just having to decide, like, how do we treat this? We've tried to treat it in a lot of natural ways that haven't worked as well. So now what's next? You know, there's bioidentical hormones. There's SSRIs, which, you know, scare me a little bit for myself. I have low serotonin. So anyway, it's just this exploration of, okay, now what's next? What do we do? What's the least worrisome to me personally that I'm willing to do next? And he kind of said to me, you know, menopause is probably going to be a wild ride for you. So just kind of get ready because if I have low iron and I have low serotonin and my estrogen is starting to fluctuate more, which affects all those other things. So it's in, you know, being with it and knowing it's Part of human journey that we're on as women, and some of us have a harder time than others. yeah, I'm very much moving through it too, and I will tag you on a couple posts in the Mother's Quest Facebook group um, because we have a few people in there that's really supportive, some experts, but yeah, and it's fascinating because I've heard you know that in many ways our adolescents, and you and I both have one, are moving through a similar process. us being on our path parallel to theirs is right for a lot of probably, you know, some challenges and some learning and... And to have that conversation, you know, I've had that conversation with my son. You know, you've got hormones are no joke and you're growing it. You know, it's changing and you've got a lot more testosterone coming in. And do you notice that sometimes you feel a little dark and a little moody? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I notice it too. And I try not to take it personally. You'll probably notice that sometimes I might seem you Know a little off or a little more snippy or whatever it might be, and ask me what's going on for me, and I'll ask you what's going on for you because this is part of this time of life, right? My mom and I went through it together with no discussion of it, and she was out of her mind, you know, <laughs> and getting no support, poor thing at all. And I didn't know, and I was going through it myself, so I mean, it's just I mean, a disaster waiting to happen for some of us if it's just happening and we're not addressing it in any way. Well, please continue to share as you discover some new things on your journey for you. And I have some ideas and resources for you that I will share. Yeah, thank you. So then the last guidepost, which you've started to touch on, is C and it stands for Connected. And this is the idea that we don't need to be alone on our journey, that you know, as you're moving through this phase in your life, you're able to call your practitioner and you know, have a partner and a guide. Uh, tell me about the ways that you find connection and that you've been able to build community in your life. As soon as you say that, I think back to the time that my husband and I moved to... We live in Marin County, it's north of San Francisco, and we've been living in the city for three years. He was born and raised in the city. We had our first son first in Santa Monica, but then we moved back to San Francisco. And we moved out to the suburbs for the first time and had neighbors like, I came over and can I help you? And we're very blessed with the neighborhood that we first lived in. We are again, we have wonderful neighbors around us again. We're really blessed that way. And not long after that was the time that I went through my first coaching program and started meditating regularly that I pointed to earlier. And so had this for the first time, I sat in a circle you know, with 17 or 18 other people and we were together for a year and went deep into our lives and so felt this connection and community that I'd never felt before in that way and was feeling the same thing in my neighborhood, just feeling connected you know, and held. There was this circle feeling in my neighborhood and it was beautiful to me and surprising. It just something that I would just never really experienced. That experience allowed me to call it into my life more. This is what I've been longing for, right? This is why I experimented with the drugs I did in college (laughs) that made you feel like you loved everybody and, and everybody was connected. And I was always so ashamed, you know, of that time of my life. Why did I do that? Like, what did I do to my body? You know? Why would I do that? And I realized when I was much older, like, oh, I had so much more compassion for that, you know, 19, 20 year old girl. Oh my gosh, all she wanted was connection. I just wanted to feel connected and be connected. And now I was able to do it in a more grown up, skillful way. And so since then, there's just a lot more intention in my life around circles, you know, and being part of women's groups and. I've helped to grow the Wisdom 2.0 community. For those that don't know what it is, it's a big conference that happens in San Francisco every year. But it's also a community, and we do community events and connections. And every year, every time we come together for events, I'm like, oh, this is my tribe. You know, this is where I belong. This is where I'm most connected. One of the places I'm most connected. And then years ago, I thought, you know, it's time for me to feel more connected to women because I hadn't women's circle prior to that. I kind of avoided female relationships. I'd have one at a time but like groups of women, I struggled with in relationship. And so I'm like, I'm going to start having connection with older women. And I called that in and, and that began to happen. And then I felt more open to women. And I sought out women who were doing the type of work that I was doing, that were doing deep inquiry, the way that you do and looking in and met some of them, of course, my coaching program that i would met. And so you know, now I feel like I have this connection to this group of women as well, which is very new for me, even in the last few years. It's very new for me. So when I think of connection, I think of that evolution. But I also think of right now, oh, I have this beautiful connection to this group of women. It just feels so poignant in my life on this journey. Because I think it began with my mom and that difficult relationship. And there's lots of stories from there till now. But There's been a beautiful evolution in that type of connection that I'm able to be in now. Well, I resonate with all those things that you've been discovering that matter for you. And circles are such a central part of my own growth experience and also what I create with Mother's Class. I was struck by your expression that you've used a few times about how you called things in. Can you just share a little bit more about what that means and and how you do that? Yeah. So it takes some inquiry and having awareness on what's missing and not like a deep, dark hole kind of missing. Just where could I enhance my life, enhance who I am as a person? And once you kind of identify that, once I identify that, then I have this intentional calling it into my life. So I do that on my own through journaling. I'll write it down. I do it during my meditation practices. I might put something on my altar. I remember having a little piece of paper that said elders. And that meant to me, I was calling on elder women to come to me. I really hadn't had many older women who were mentors in my life. And that's kind of what I mean by calling it in, having this kind of like how you set an intention at the beginning. You're know, you calling that in when you create that intention, right? I'm calling in equanimity at the beginning. I'm inviting that in. And as You've been speaking. I've been recentering and kind of checking in with myself. Now, do I have that? Is that where I am right now? Does that help? It helps a lot. It's really beautiful. And I feel like I have a different frame for what I've been doing with the podcast. Essentially, I'm seeking things in order to live a more epic life. And I consciously find guides in the way that I found and brought you on. Because I am looking for more mindfulness in my life. So I just have another way of thinking about what that process has been for me, calling it in. And there's some extra intention I feel like I can bring in some new tools and some journaling or you know, putting it on a post-it note and just bringing it more into my consciousness that I will be taking. Yeah, I love that. Well, we are getting close to the end of our conversation, which I really enjoyed and I've taken so much from it. Before, we always end with acknowledgments, which is a chance for both of us to share what we're taking away from the conversation. But before we do that, I also want to invite you to give me and anyone who's listening who wants to accept as well, a challenge or a resource, something that maybe connects to the themes we've been discussing that, that we can carry forward into our life. You know, why don't we scaffold and use three breaths practice? Right. First breath is just focusing on the breath, coming in and out. The second is letting the body relax. And the third is asking ourselves the question, what's most important now? And you can put this in your show notes as well, so it'll be there. And the challenge is to find a place where that practice is needed in your life. And I would encourage to weave it into something that you're already doing. So I think a wonderful practice is each time you pick up your phone or go to sit on the computer that you take on that practice, right? Those three breaths. And so it allows more intentionality in our day and more presence, obviously, and connection and equanimity. Wonderful. I love yeah. that we're ending where we began. Yeah, I do too. And that's wonderful. You know, just the computer is great. Technology is great. Also the end of the day with our kids, you know, before they go to school, you can do it as the family. So just some other ideas as well. So good.
1: Well, thank you,
3: Michelle. I'm so happy that it came together for us. We've had You know, various challenges along the way, but I feel like the the timing is just perfect to have this conversation where we are now, which is a very different place when we originally intended in the summer. I just think that the themes we've discussed and the practices that you've shared are so important for me and others as mothers as we're moving into the school year. So I wanted to share a few things that I'm taking with me from our conversation and I'd love to hear from you, I think. I'm really holding this idea of equanimity and this ability to keep coming back to center or a place of groundedness and a place of intention in the midst of challenge or transition. I'm really thinking about transitions like adolescence and, and paramenopause or menopause, transitions like recovery from surgery for my father, transitions like the beginning of a new school year, and how all of those things are fought with, you know, moments that can feel really challenging, but how even in our practice today in this conversation, there are so many tools available to us that we can use to guide us through those times. I would say that's a really big takeaway. Another thing that I am going to hold on to is this idea of making the implicit explicit which, you know, by sharing our intention as part of the podcast conversation, we did that for ourselves and for everybody listening. And the way that you do that with your children is such a beautiful way to model for them how to have compassion and be able to build on the power of awareness. Thank you so much. Really? I know this is going to enrich my life. And then, of course, the three best practice and ways that I'll be integrating that more fully now into particularly like making sure that I am moving forward with intention at all of these key transition moments. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'd love to acknowledge you, one, for letting that inner knowing drive you in this process as a mother's quest. I mean, I've heard this before and I know the work that you do, but when you first said, you know, we're gonna talk about living an epic life and you went through each one, like I really noticed my system come alive I'm like, oh, how exciting to have this conversation right now. You don't always get that little hit in any given day. And so I just want to acknowledge that, like how that made me feel alive and what a gift it feels like to have this exploration with you. Like, you know, there's just been some medicine that I've been given in answering the questions that you've asked. And also in your skill of interview a lot over the years. And you're a really good interviewer. (laughs) You're really present and you're listening between the lines. And there's just a lot of skill and love that comes through as you're doing this work that you're doing. So just really appreciating you and it's appreciate your friendship and support. Thank you Michelle, I'm so grateful to know you and everything you just shared is I'm taking it in fully. This will be an epic snapshot moment for me. I
1: think <laughs> uh, you know, just really hearing that and especially from you. I really appreciate that. And my intention every time I bring a guest
3: on, my hope is that you leave feeling that you have some gifts you're taking with you and greater clarity and awareness about yourself and your own epic life. So felt really wonderful to hear that reflected back that that did happen for you today.
0: Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.